It's cold. Cold in a way you're only fully coming to understand now. Cold in a way that it claws at your skin and climbs into your aching, weary bones. Three winters at most, they had told you when you'd signed up. There's only a tiny part of the passage to be found and then you can come home a hero. Instead you're here, huddled up against your crewmates trying to find some semblance of warmth. Your stomach growls, cramps spreading across your torso, but you've long since stopped paying attention. There's nothing you can do about it. The poison cans have long run out and no one has the strength to hunt. A plate is pressed into your hand, delicate porcelain with a blue and white design you think you remember. On it is meat. It's lean and raw, but it makes your stomach growl all the louder. You know where this came from. You don't want to know where this came from. Your stomach should turn at the thought, should reject it wholeheartedly. You shouldn't be able to lift it to your mouth and swallow it down greedily. But you do, and you will, because you're hungry and you want to live. friends and welcome to tonight's episode of Grave History, a macabre history podcast. I'm Teddy. I'm Katrina. And we are your hosts. Uh, Mm. We're coming to you from the depths of Satan's asshole. It's (laughs) very warm here in Britain. I'm in Scotland and it's warm, but it's also Mm. very rainy. Oh, the worst combination. It's like the Everglades out there. It's not nice. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I don't know. I'd, I think I'd rather this than, like, the heat. Like, because mm. last summer in London was really bad. Yeah. It's it's not pleasant. I was in an air-conditioned shop all day, and even then... <laughs> no. It was not good. But this should tell you exactly when we're recording. Oh, yeah, we're, we're dating ourselves. Isn't that what you're... <laughs> What, what, what you're not meant to do. Like, you have we to are. try and remain timeless or something. I don't know. Oh, well. No, oh, let's well. be contemporary. It's fun. Let's be contemporary and fun. I'm also yeah. like, I did something awful to my back. I don't know what it oh, is. Oh, no. So I'm lying in, like, a weird front-down position. Like, I think I've my favourite position to record in, which is, like, with my feet kicked over my head like a teenage <laughs> girl talking on the phone. <laughs> what are you um, thinking about? I don't know. Just lumbago, I guess. <laughs> just death in the arctic it's fine oh yeah speaking of death in the arctic <gasps> this episode is my episode it's your episode it's your turn yeah. to to top as it were i'm sorry i really like that analogy <laughs> well at least i'm back where i'm normally am you know oh didn't need to know that but you know what the strap on is the strap on is knowledge yeah mm-hmm. give me the strap as they say <laughs> And what they, they mean is, uh, give me knowledge. Well, I, I'm very excited about this episode because uh, I was just saying to you, I don't actually know anything about the Franklin Exhibition. Yeah. Expedition, Expedition? rather. Not exhibit. Although there, <laughs> there, there, was an, there was an exhibition. There was. Mm. And let me tell you, saying the Franklin Expedition exhibition <laughs> is very difficult. Did you sell a lot of tickets to that and have to say it over and over again? Yeah, I mean, we didn't sell a lot of tickets. Whoops. Not, uh, not um, up in the observatory anyway. No, but I was down in the in the main museum as well. Oh, were you? Um, to- not Tony Robinson. Um, oh, who's the other... 
Who is the historian who used to be in Monty Python? Terry Jones. Nope. Michael Palin. Yes. No, it he was. actually Ter- came to Terry see Jones it. was a did he? Mm. Oh my god, I love Michael Palin. I met him at a book signing once, and he was he's so charming. So lovely. Oh, he's lovely, isn't he? He's just mm-hmm. like, he's just like. I was gonna say daddy, but he's a bit old for that. <laughs> Granddaddy. Like, Granddaddy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, we'll I go can, with that. I can work with that. We'll go with that. But um, no, I didn't. I didn't get to see the exhibition because oh. it was. It was like, uh, there was just no time when I was at work, and I mm. lived in, I lived in Camden, <laughs> um. So I'm like, I'm not going out of my way to go to Greenwich <laughs> when I'm not working. Can't be scooting over to to Greenwich. I know, got better just... things to do. I don't know better things yeah. to do, but I have. I'm lazy. That's the word I'm looking for. I'm lazy. Uh, th- this, Let this me was... respecify. Yes. You, there's no scooting over to Greenwich if you're not being paid to scoot yourself over. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. That's the important thing. This was when we both worked at Greenwich, by the way, mm-hmm. for, for context for anyone. Yeah. Neither of us do, which is why we're we allowed do to not. do this episode. Yeah. We're allowed to. Yeah. Uh, no, it was it was a it was a it was a good employer. It was a thing. It was fine. <laughs> It was fine. So, um, so yeah. Uh, yeah, I haven't done any real research. I'm going into this pretty blind. Uh, the only mm. research I did do was what I normally do, uh, which is mm. go on uh, Archive of Our Own and see if there's any gay fan fiction about it. I mean, there is because there was a TV show about yes, it. Yes, that's what I found. There's a 2018 mm-hmm. TV series, The Terror, and there is a lot of gay fan fiction for that. So, you mm-hmm. know, I was thumbing through it. Looks kind of fun. Looks kind of spicy. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of, you know, whale oil being used in inappropriate ways. Well, I'd say appropriate ways, because you know what? You've got to be safe. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I've got to say, just from what I'm reading, it sounds like it was a really fun, uh, cosy time. (laughs) Yeah, um, it was great. They all had a lovely time. They did. Um, One of them owned a coffee shop. Uh It was great. Yeah, coffee shop AU. One of them was a florist. (laughs) One of them was a tattoo artist. Oh, can I make it any more obvious? We don't have the rights to that. <laughs> I wonder if there is actually a coffee. I'm gonna look for that later. But after I found out, I'm gonna, I'm gonna find out. Oh no, oh no, I did find a modern AU veteran thing, but no, oh, no, no. I mean that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. Uh, but yeah. it's, again, I don't really know these characters, so you know, I'm, I'm, I've not, no. I've not read anything. I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm excited well, to allow me to broaden your mind. Oh my, I know. So, um, for tonight's episode, I did a fair bit of, you know, my own research just to refresh my notes and refresh my mind. Um, most importantly, because we have mentioned the Franklin exhibition at the NMM, yes. uh, the National Maritime Museum, for those who haven't worked there, <laughs> um, I'm referencing the book that kind of went with it. Mm. Which was the is called Sir John Franklin's Erebus and Terror Expedition, Lost and Found by Gillian Hutchinson. Mm-hmm. Very good. Uh, there's lots of pictures of kind of things that were found, maps, art. So it's a really nice one for a kind of quick quick tour um, through the story. Through the story. Okay. Um, I also then really used um, a book by an author called Andrew Lambert, mm-hmm. and the book is called Franklin, the Tragic Hero of Polar Navigation. Okay. Um, again, another good one. I found it in the library, um, so it's super accessible. And then the last one, which I didn't reference as much as I should have, but it's an older book, so you know when the text, the prose is just kind of dry? Yes, yes. And it's kind yes, of, yes. Oh. can't get through it? Oh, I know mm. that. 
Mm-hmm. So that one was Unraveling the Franklin Mystery uh, Inuit Testimony by David C. Woodman. Okay. So that's also fun. Okay, so good good mm. selection of sources. Um, also, as mentioned before the episode started, um, this episode will have topics and discussion of cannibalism. Mm. So if that's something that's kind of, uh, but you still want to learn, um, I'll be putting all of that in part two. Yes. So after the break. So if you want to avoid that, just listen to the break and then stop. And I will not Go be Go and upset. do something else with your life. Go and read about something that's yeah. not... Mm-hmm. It's a good idea. Yeah. Okay. Um, however, if cannibalism really is your thing, um, there is a podcast that's going to be starting in October called Casting Lots, which is all about um, survival cannibalism in its various... Uh, appearances throughout history. I wouldn't have thought there was enough material to make a whole podcast about... Oh, there's a lot. It is only going to be, I think, about eight episodes. Yeah. But still. I mean... Still lots of content. I was thinking, we, we, we must all have a limit for, like, when we would commit an act of cannibalism. Like, mm. I think... I, my limit is, like, if I'm in a lift and it stops, I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Who is the tastiest person Time here? To go. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Let's pop off. So, um, sure, I'd like to to go. Let's go. Yes, take me right back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to start with um, the epitaph that's on um, Franklin's memorial in Westminster Abbey. Obviously, his actual body isn't there. They never found it. Oh, spoilers. But it's a sort of, if there were a body, this is where we'd put it, we're still remembering him kind of deal. Do you mean that, like, in, in The Fairly Odd Parents, where it's like, this is where I'd put the trophy, if I had one? Yes, exactly <laughs> like that. Okay, cool. Um, but it's an epitaph by Tennyson mm-hmm. that reads, Not here, the white north hath thy bones, and thou, heroic sailor soul, art passing on thy happier voyage now towards no earthly pole. Ooh, I like that. So it's a nice little, you know, yeah. kind of sentiment. Yeah. But also tells you kind of what we're doing here yeah so the northwest passage and the northwest passage is essentially a way of traveling to um to asia okay without having to go a much longer route round by sea or a more dangerous route across land and i support that i support taking shortcuts all the time always um it was supposed to pass up round um canada and Alaska, or what would become Alaska, and um, down the other side. Towards, um, oh god, I'm really showing off Towards Asia. my geography. Yeah, which, which would be <laughs> what, the upper China and Japan? Yeah. Korea? Okay, mm-hmm. thank you, good, I'm educated. <laughs> um, it's a lot easier to get to and get through now, thanks global warming. Uh, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> I got hashed. I but got too real. The search for it had been going on um, since the 16th century, mm-hmm. so it's it was a long term obsession for uh, for Britain, um, as well as several other countries in Europe. But we are mostly focusing on Britain, mm-hmm. as is the name of the game. And you even have people, famous people like Captain Cook, uh, who tried to uh, who tried to enter it from the east. Mm-hmm. And go in through the Pacific. Ooh. So the other way around to the way we're going yeah, here. We're, yeah. Um, but never made it. 
prior to Franklin's expedition, there had been several, several travelling things. Like, they had sent so many. Many of them had Franklin on them. Okay, so he he wasn't a rookie. He was used to it. No, absolutely not. Mm. He... Both he and the other captain, the captain of the other ship, uh, Francis Crozier, mm-hmm. oh, had oh, been to the Arctic multiple times. Oh yes, now he shows up a lot in the fan fiction. See, let me see. Yes, he does. The number one pairing is uh, Crozier and Fitzjames. Yeah. Good. <laughs> so Fitzjames was the commander of uh, the Erebus, which was Franklin's ship. Okay, okay. And in the show, they have sort of a love-hate relationship. Um, ah, that'll be why people are into it then, mm, because that always... They love a good love-hate relationship. That always generates the most fan fiction, yes. <laughs> um, but to give you a little bit of background on our kind of two captains, um, you have Franklin, full name Sir John Franklin, uh, who was born in 1786. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the fifth son and the te- ninth child. Oh, God. Yeah, so a lot to prove. Of how many children, though? Out of nine. Oh, he was the younger. Oh, uh, still, his, yeah. his poor mother. Uh-huh. Just, ugh. Um, he joined the Navy in uh, 1800, so not even at 20 years old. He is off. <laughs> yeah, how old is he? Look, he's like, what, 14? Mm. Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. By uh, 1804, um, so still not 20, he was an incredibly knowledgeable student of navigation, astronomy, and other observational sciences. So he's really proving himself as part of the the team. How old was he? 18? I could barely use a tin opener when I was 18. Good God. Uh, he also fought in the War of 1812 in Mississippi. Uh-huh. The thing is, looking through the people who were on this ship, they've been on a lot of famous ships mm-hmm. in a lot of famous battles... These are not people who are fucking about. Yeah, because some stories you're like, okay, I, uh, uh, what happened here is these people had no experience and that's why it yeah. ended in the way it did. Uh, for example, stuff that happens on Everest. Mm-hmm. Mm. People are going there to say that they've climbed Everest. Yes, which if you know, which is dumb. Dumb, don't do it. Mm-hmm. Why would you... Yeah, we were talking about doing an episode on that, actually, weren't we? We so, were. Yeah, so we should uh, rein in the commentary, but yes. Um, that is a great way to die, to like mm-hmm. just run at something that you have absolutely no knowledge of. Yeah, um, but sometimes running into something you have a lot of knowledge of yes. will also do it. Yes, wow. Um, so the first exploration he went on to the Arctic was in 1818, mm-hmm. uh, where he was took he was taken along um, to use it as an opportunity to learn. Um, that expedition failed when the ships became um, stuck in the ice which has a specific name that I've forgotten, but we'll come to it later, and then I'll be like, oh, it's that word. So bear with me. I didn't know that there was a specific <laughs> word for it. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That's kind of exciting. Um, he returned not. He returned a year later. Mm-hmm. Um, this is when... So Franklin has a famous nickname, which is uh, the man who ate his boots. Uh... And it's unsure as whether it's meant as a kind of jab or just this is what you did to survive... Well done. I don't think I would take that as a compliment if I was known as no the woman who ate her boots. Mostly because I have mm. not done that. Um, so I protest the inaccuracy first of all. But I okay. Yeah. So that was uh, they got stuck there from eighteen nineteen to eighteen twenty two. Oh my god! Are you serious? 
Mm. He survived by eating lichen and... His boots? Um, and his boots. The uncured leather of their boots. I was going to say, if he didn't eat his boots and they called him the man who ate his boots, then, well, he's just... Yeah. Uh, there was also... I know I said I wouldn't mention it in this half of the episode, but there was some cannibalism involved in that journey. So, also, this is not the first time these two streams crossed. <laughs> so to speak. Ghostbusters. Um, he went again in 1825... Um, still as a scientist rather than as an explorer, um, but he was convinced the Northwest Passage existed by 1827, and he was then knighted in 1829. The whole experience had not put him off. No. Huh. But you can see there is a lot of experience, a lot of knowledge. He's clearly a very capable sailor, a very capable navigator, mm. um, which is kind of played over in the TV show The Terror, um, he's painted as a bit more arrogant, a bit more, no, I don't listen to you, I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, Wait, who plays him in the so... terror? I have to look it up. Mm? Who plays him in the terror? I have to look it up. Um, oh, God, what's his name? He played um, uh, Fitzwilliam in the older version of Persuasion. I've never watched a Jane Austen movie. How dare you oh. assume that about me? So John Fr- oh uh, I- uh, uh Kieran Hines. Yes. Okay, okay, fine. Yeah, yeah. So he plays that's him. Um on the flip side on the other ship, we have uh Francis Rawdon Moira Crozier. Sorry, Moira. Moira. But his parents didn't like him, did they? No. <laughs> um he was born 1796 mm-hmm. in Bambridge Island. Okay. Um he was the 11th of 13 children. And again, the fifth son. The fifth son. Oh, it's almost like it's almost like they were meant to be together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he volunteered for the Navy age 13. Mm-hmm. Um, and fully joined in 1810. Uh, in 1812, he served on the HMS Brighton. And in 1814, met surviving mutineers from the HMS Bounty. Um, which we might cover at some point. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, but that was a very famous mutiny aboard that, uh, where the captain, who was actually uh, kicked off for being too domineering, managed to survive by um, and keep his the crew that came with him alive by being extremely domineering. When you say domineering... Um, he was very sort of, this is how much you'll eat, this is how much you get to drink, and we have to do that, because if we do it like this, we will survive. If we don't, we will die. So he was kind of like the opposite of Jack Sparrow, in that he survived yes. by being extremely responsible. Yes. Okay, okay. Yeah. That's a... Give you a little 16-year-old reference there. <laughs> I love it. Parts of the character. The first movie was so good. It was. It was great. It was. What happened? <sighs> um. So, Crozier's first voyage to the Arctic was in 1821, mm-hmm. um, under William Parry, who is a, a well-known... Uh, Arctic veteran around these kind of times. Mm, okay. um, he, uh, they tried to traverse the Northwest Passage. Uh, he returned a second time again with Parry. Mm-hmm. Uh, this expedition resulted in the sinking of the ship, which was the HMS Fury. He was promoted to a lieutenant in 1826. And yes, I am going to be pronouncing it lieutenant because I'm English. Is it? Wait, a, a lieutenant's American. Yes, it is. Okay, cool. I didn't actually. I've never actually been clear on the difference between the two. <laughs> um, he returned to the Arctic, eighteen twenty-seven. This time to reach the North Pole, mm-hmm. and failed. 
Um, he became close friends with James Clark Ross, who went on later went on to be uh, on one of the search missions for the Franklin expedition later. Mm-hmm. Um, he became a fellow of the Royal Astro- Astronomical Society in 1827. He went back to the Arctic, uh, oh, the Antarctic, sorry. Well, misread my that's notes. completely, that's the other way around, mm. man. That's the one, mm-hmm. that's the one where the penguins are. Is, is that correct? It's the one where the bears aren't. Yes, because, pe- pe- because polar bears can't eat penguins, not because they can't get the wrappers off, but because they're in separate poles. I know that, <laughs> it was beaten into me. I read somewhere that that's why they're named the way they are. No, like, it's not. Arctic comes from oars, like the word for bear. Oh, uh, like, uh, like Ursa, Ursus. Yeah. Really? And then, I mean, I don't know if that's true. I read it on the internet. Well, it's got to be true, then. I take everything I read on the internet as completely true, <laughs> which is why I'm so confused and belligerent all the time. <laughs> um, he finally... Yeah, so we went to the Antarctic in 1839 with Ross mm-hmm. um, on the Erebus and the Terror. Mm-hmm. So it's also not these ships' first times out. Oh, so we can't blame the we can't blame the ships. That's a shame. I was nope. going to say maybe the ship was cursed, haunted. Mm, I mean, they did have the curse of being titled as unsinkable, mm. and we all know oh, what that does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I've seen the nineteen ninety. What, what year did it come out? Nine ninety seven documentary Titanic. <laughs> um, I love that documentary. It's really, it's really, it's it's one of the most acceptable. Nay. Fine movies I've ever seen. I'm judging you a little bit. Oh, come on. It wasn't that good. Come on. Okay. So the expedition, uh, fronted by the HMS Erebus and the HMS Terror, Mm -hmm. uh, each ship, the Erebus led by Franklin, the Terror led by Crozier, um, they were outfitted to be the kind of perfect Arctic exploring ships. Okay. So they had sails for when there was wind, but they also had a certain amount of steam power. Cool. So that if the, there was no wind, they wouldn't have to stop. Okay, so we're a little bit steampunk. Mm. I like that. Um, the ships were both originally um, bomb vessels. Okay. So they were designed for strength. They were built for strength rather than speed. How would one keep such a ship heated? By coal, I believe. Mm, okay. To a certain degree. I think... I don't know. I didn't look into the, the the mechanics of the ship. I'm sorry. Please I, forgive me. I was me. just. I'll forgive you. I, I just. I vaguely remember reading somewhere mm. about. I think it was at the Discovery Exhibition in Dundee, which is a ship that's. Uh, oh, that um like uh blubber was used as insulation. Ah. Uh-huh. Yeah, that would make sense. And some. I'm. I. I could be remembering this wrong, but um. I, I vaguely remember something about like yeah, and it would smell horrible as well. Mm. Um, oh, it absolutely would. Yes, it would. But I guess that depends on whether you can catch the seals or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so what they what else they did to the ships? They added some extra strengthening to the hull um, to stop it kind of collapsing as as the uh, ice kind of froze in, mm-hmm. um, and also removed any protruding parts from the hull to stop it, them from snapping off. But th- the whole thing that I'm trying to build up here is. This was a very well-researched expedition. This was not, you know, a tourism trip to Mount Everest. (laughs) You know? But by the time this expedition went out, so many expeditions and, you know, research trips had been done to the Arctic that they were certain 
this was going to be like the last piece of the puzzle. Yeah, that's kind of what I was going to ask. Like, how mm. far along scientifically was knowledge about the Arctic, or, or or even like how to survive in the Arctic? Um, I mean, they had certain levels of mm-hmm. um understanding, but there is this one really, really lovely. And really, well, not lovely. Really telling quote that I remember from the from the exhibition, mm. which was from um, an Inuit that they spoke to, where they said it was strange when they saw these, you know, these men that their hoods weren't attached to their coats. Oh right. That's it. That's just the tiniest little thing, but it was so obvious to the Inuit and so not obvious to the English. Right. British, sorry. Yeah, please. Please. There were Scots on board and they died just as much. Good. Good. I demand <laughs> equal representation. Yeah, and you've that got Dr. Harry death. Good, sir. Good, sir. That's a cool Very name. Scottish. Not in the terror, though. He's English in the terror. Oh my god, when will this erasure stop? <laughs> I call I call this... Wait, I, something washing. This is like tartan washing. Scott washing. Scott washing. <laughs> I prefer tartan washing, which I was trying to think of yeah. like... A stereotypically English fabric, and I can't tweed, 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 tweed washing. This is tweed washing, yes. <laughs> and I for one won't put up with it. No, sorry, continue. <laughs> but yeah, besides um, Crozier and Franklin, there was you know a, a couple of other members of the crew that had also been to the Arctic before. Mm-hmm. So you had um, the Ice Master of oh, the Terror. Oh, that is such a good title. Oh my mm-hmm. god. When I become mm-hmm. a drug baron, that's what I'm going to call myself. Do it. The Ice Master. Uh, his name was Thomas Blanky. Mm-hmm. Um, both Ice Masters were renowned from uh, from within the whaling community and they were brought on board to kind of bring their knowledge of how ice works and how to get through it and deal with it, etc. Mm-hmm. It's very cold. You're going to want to apply mm-hmm. some heat. And uh, <laughs> that's it. Meeting over. Yeah. Ev- everyone everyone applauds and leaves. <laughs> I love being an ice master. <laughs> it's all I do. This um, is maybe the plot of Frozen 2, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he'd been on two of Parry's exhibitions mm-hmm. um, with Crozier and also Ross's near-fatal victory expedition in 1829. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you also have Lieutenant Gore, uh, who had also been on the Terror Voyage in 1836, and the purser, Ozma, who had been with Captain Beachy in 1825. Okay, so this was a crew of lads who knew what was up. Mm-hmm. They'd been mm-hmm. around the block. Yeah, they had sheep and pigs and hens on board. Um, they <laughs> had canned and salted food. They later would be planned to be supplemented with fish, birds, polar bears, whatever they could catch. Could they catch polar bears? I don't imagine a polar bear would be easy to catch. I I guess, but it's got to be easy. Anyway, sorry. Mm. Um, However, there was problems kind of from the beginning. Mm. So within kind of a few months of leaving, they reached uh, Beachy Island. Yes. Named after Captain Beachy, who I mentioned earlier. Of course. Um, where they suffered their first deaths of the exhibition. Uh, exhibition? Expedition. <laughs> <laughs> sure. It's just going to keep on coming, isn't it? It's just going to... Mm-hmm. Um, so they rang in the new year with uh, two of their crews dying of tuberculosis. <laughs> I mean, that's how I rang in the new year this year. Mm. I died of tuberculosis. Yeah, and I'm doing great. Yeah. I've got to say, the year's been really kind to me so far. <laughs> um, but that was John Hartnell and John Torrington. F. Um, and then three months later, William Brain also died of tuberculosis. So yeah. we're doing... 
I mean... If that were me, that would have been when I turned around and went home. Isn't that pretty par for the course, though, back in olden-timey expeditions to, you know, you'd... What, dying of tuberculosis? Yeah, wouldn't a few of you be a little bit expendable? Like, wouldn't you plan for... Yeah. Maybe, you know, I mean, may- may- maybe you'd pick people you didn't like and you're like, okay, some people are gonna <laughs> die in this... Ex- ex- I nearly said exhibition again, God damn it. <laughs> Um, so it might as well be this guy because, you know, he's, yeah. you know, I, he's not Let's fun bring along to be tuberculosis gym. in it. <laughs> he's known for being completely tubercular. And Jim's like, he's known for <laughs> are you talking free? to me, guys? And you're like, yeah, Jim, Jim, we've got a, we've got a side quest for you, Jim. And Jim's real because he never gets invited to stuff. Um, yeah, but <laughs> he's just having a great time. But he was the sacrificial uh, uh, goat. <laughs> and then they thought once they'd once they'd gotten rid of Jim, then things would be smooth sailing. Mm-hmm. I assume this is everything that happened, and they planned it very yeah. drunkenly one evening at the Royal Society of Observers or Astronomers or whatever it is. <laughs> Astronomy. Astronomy, yes, thank you. I have a notebook with that on the cover. So, just to give you a little timeline of where we are so far, we have, in 1845 in May, uh, the ships depart England, Mm -hmm. and it specifically is England. Yes. I know you mentioned last time that you thought it might be, was it Dundee? Dundee was where a different trip set out with less cannibalism. Uh, There's a very good museum uh, in Dundee, actually, about it, where with a complete replica of the boat. Ah. Hmm. Oh, is that what you were speaking about earlier? Yes, I think. Yes, I've been there a few times. It's it's actually they've, <laughs> they've built the 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 V and A right next to it, the Scottish V and A. Ooh, yeah, that's cool. It is quite decent. I will have to come up and visit. It's fine. <laughs> it's probably not worth a whole trip in and of itself. I'm not going to lie to you, especially no, when you got the but... real deal right there with you. But um... no, I would be coming to see you, and then we could go. Me. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh. So yeah, it, the last sighting by Westerners mm-hmm. um, was in July 1845. Um, they were seen by whalers in Melville Bay. Um, and that was the last time that really anyone from the you know the Western world saw them. They sort of disappeared thereafter. In terms of Western perspective. Well, I mean, obviously that's the most valuable perspective we've got here, isn't it? It's the only one that matters. The only one that matters. It's the only trustworthy. Mm-hmm. To... <laughs> um, so by 1846, by the middle of the... Um, not the middle of the year. Yeah, the middle of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, they. W- this is the term. I told you I'd find it. Okay. Uh, they were stuck in the pack. Why is it called that? As in pack ice. I always assumed pack ice was that thing that the school nurse kept in the fridge and gave it to you no matter what you said was wrong <laughs> with you. That's an ice pack. It's fine. <laughs> Just take an ice pack and you're like, uh, no. <laughs> You'll be better. I'm literally on fire right now. Just take an ice pack, <laughs> it'll be fine. Um, but yeah, so they were stuck in the pack ice okay. um, in September off King William Island. Mm-hmm. So we haven't got very far from where we buried... Um, our crewmates. No, we haven't, have we? I'm just, I'm just trying to pull no. up a map right now, so I've got a better mental view of you know the whole journey. Mm-hmm. But no, that's not very far at all. I keep forgetting no. how much longer everything took back then. Yeah, everything took yeah. so long, all the long. I was, I've been reading Nellie Bly's um, Around the World in seventy two days, or however long it took her. But it's just mm. like it takes her like a week to cross from New York to London. Jeez. Yeah, and it's like I could do that in eight hours. Yeah. Probably less than eight hours. You could do less than eight yeah. hours if you took Concord, but you can't because Concord's mm. dead. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Press F to pay respects. <laughs> oh, also, I did. I forgot I had these. I have some fun um, exact measurements Ooh, okay. of food that was on board. I love a good exact because I feel like it's easier to to like imagine the amount of food if you have weight measurements. Yes. Yeah. I always measure my so... food before I eat it. So yes. <laughs> So we had 32,224 pounds of salted beef. Disgusting. Uh-huh. 36,487 pounds of ship biscuits. Gross. 3,684 uh, 3, gallons of concentrated spirits. Fine. And 4,980 gallons of ale and porter. I bet it wasn't very good ale and porter, though. No. But this was designed to sustain them for about three years. How much does ale and porter sustain you, though, quote-unquote? Um, well, they also had a water filtration system on board. Yeah, see, I w- yeah, that, that's what I would have put... Never mind. You've you got to keep their spirits mm-hmm. up. Which we're going to come back to in part two, mm-hmm. because that potentially could have caused them a, a hell ton of problems. Yeah. Not what killed them. But a hell ton of problems. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, by 1847, and we know this because of the Victory Point note. Yes. Um, which was a note found in a cairn on uh, King William Island. King William Island. Okay. Yeah, I've got, I've got the mm-hmm. wee map here. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. I've always wanted to find a note in a cairn. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of slowly updated by the crew. Okay. It was their way of, you know, because they couldn't send letters home. So it was more a kind of... When things happen, we're going to write them down, and then you can see later that we that we were thinking about, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we, you have a note on the Victory Point note um, from Crozier and Fitzjames, mm-hmm. stating that Franklin died in eighteen forty-seven. Okay. Um, you don't know what of. They never mention what of. Um, but it's safe to assume it wasn't natural causes. Oh, okay. Um, as in he didn't just, you know, go to sleep and not wake up kind of natural causes. Do you think it could have been aliens? I think it could have. Okay, good. Just check it. I'm down for that. I only concern myself with topics where the answer could be aliens. <laughs> now. Unlike Ryan Bagara and Shane Madej, I'm always down for an explanation being Aliens. aliens. <laughs> oh no, Ryan Bagara is always here for aliens. What I mean is just Shane Madej. Yeah. Oh, I just watched the new mm. one about Annabelle. Yeah. That is exactly. I, that I, w- well. I would go up to Annabelle and call her a bitch. <laughs> Why? What's, yeah, you would. what's she gonna do? She's gonna give us technical problems. I'm already beset with technical problems. <laughs> More. Well, maybe in her attempt to make it worse, she'll actually like flip and it'll become better. <gasps> so it's worth a try. Yes. Hmm. Anyway. Let's go and call Annabelle a bitch. Let's go, let's go and bully <laughs> Annabelle the doll. <laughs> and then get, like, an Uber home. Yeah, no, 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 I'm walking home. I'm literally... <laughs> oh, walk- yeah, because then you can't, like, your brakes can't fail. Yeah, exactly. I'm literally going to walk home from Connecticut, US of A, to uh, Edinburgh, <laughs> Scotland. I'll just, you know, walk out. You, you, you know, like in the Muppets where they travel by car and they just... <laughs> through the ocean. Yes. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Um, it's worth mentioning, by the way, that in 1847, they are still stuck in the ice. Oh my god. So they have been forced to winter for a full year at this point, um, and it's not going to get any better because by 1848, they are still stuck. <laughs> I, I'm looking at the map now, and I'm kind of like, why did they want this route specifically? I don't know. 
between the two of them, Crozier and Franklin, they decided this was the best route. I'm gonna say that seems like nonsense. Mm. I feel like... I would agree. I mean, I, I, I am not a sailor. I Don't you ever mistake me for one. <laughs> Nor am I a navigator, an astronomer, a biologist, <laughs> uh, a geologist. Uh, what are you? Oh my god. Uh, a lover, a fighter, a farmer... Um, but that. yeah, so 1848, ships are still stuck. Yes. Um, and they make the decision, this is again written in the Victory Point note, um, they make the decision to abandon the ships mm-hmm. and uh, the remaining crew attempt to make the journey back to somewhere where they can be picked up. I've written back home. I don't think they can make that journey on foot. No, but they make that journey on foot. Maybe go down as into, far as they can into go. Canada. I don't know, the whole area is, I'm going to assume, pretty isolated. It's still mm. not that densely populated. No, I assume um, where they would be aiming was back towards where there's a, a lot of whalers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's A, food, B, people. Yeah, plus I bet they're a fun bunch of lads, the whalers. Yeah, they'd love a good whale. Yeah, they do. Oh, well, well, they don't. No. But... Um... <laughs> Which is Prince of Wales Island, isn't that where... Oh no, I was like, isn't that where Anne of Green Gables is set? But then I remember that's Prince Edward Island. <laughs> now that would be a crossover. Oh god. They just end up in... Anne of Green Gables goes to the Arctic. And dies. And has to cannibalise <laughs> her best friend Diana. I'd watch it. Would you? Actually, yeah, I would. Yeah, you know you would. <laughs> okay, so, we've got... So, in this one, the boys are the cold ones. Yes. Okay. You're cracking open a boy with the cold ones. Well, you're not cracking anything open because it's all iced in. Yeah, I see what you did there. <laughs> um, but it's worth mentioning the first, um, the first Admiralty uh, rescue mission mm-hmm. wasn't actually until let me concern my notes. Um, the first rescue expedition by the Admiralty is in 1848. Ha. Huh. So was a kind of thing of it seems from very early on that. Um, that Lady Jane Franklin, mm-hmm. who is Sir John Franklin's wife, kind of knew something had gone wrong. How? She had this womanly feeling. Wifely intuition. Mm. Like how my mum can just tell when I'm about to get up to shenanigans. Yeah. And she's like, do not do that. Don't do it. I sensed it. She can just tell. She can. When non when non- can. nonsense is brewing. Um... And you can tell this because the actual first expedition to rescue, or to at least find out what had happened, mm-hmm. was in 1847. Yes. Which, yeah, kind of tells you something weren't right. Something were not right indeed. And she knew. Um, And we will cover what wasn't right in the second half, as promised. Okay. So I'm going to go and get some questionable meat. Ew. And I will. we will return in, in the second half. So we are back. We've got some questionable meat. We've got some lead-filled water. Oh, I've got a delicious and... glass of lead water that I'm just gonna. Ooh, Yay! Don't even speak to me until I've had my morning lead water. <laughs> okay. So mm. as discussed, this is where we get into the kind of cannibalism side, yeah. the dicey side. Oh yeah. Or as how I've titled it, where things went wrong. That's elegant and understated. Mm. I like it. Diplomatic. As if. 
they ever went right. Yeah, it sounds like the whole thing was... I don't know. I'm still not 100% sure why they needed to do this. Because trade... I guess. I guess capitalism's the biggest force mm. in the world, isn't it? Uh-huh. Was it, would that have come under the umbrella of capitalism, I'm wondering? Because I, I... Oh, absolutely. I'm also not an economist. Oh, fair. No, me either. Or a historian. <laughs> then what the fuck are we doing here? I don't know. <laughs> Um, but essentially, it was a way to do a shorter, easier, sexier trade route. Okay. Um, because at this point in time, Britain had made a lot of enemies. Oh no, really? How on earth did that happen? I know. So unheard of. I. <laughs> um, but I have another quote for you. Okay. Because I do like a good quote. Yep. Um, this one comes from one of the books that I referenced. Yes. Um, and I really enjoy it. It's very kind of no nonsense, cut to the chase about what happened. So I'd like to read it to you. This is from the Franklin Tragic Era of Polar Navigation mm-hmm. uh, by Andrew Lambert. Um, so it reads. We do not know when it started or who took the decision, but sometime in May 1848, British sailors from HMS Erebus and HMS Terror began butchering and eating their comrades. We do not know if they were ki- if they killed the living, picking out the weak, the young and the expendable, or whether they confined their attentions to the dead. But make no mistake, they ate the shipmates, not one or two, but 40 or 50. How many men were eaten and how many ate, we will never know. I mean, if that's the case, then that's a lot of cannibalism. That's more cannibalism than, like, the Donner Party. Mm. That's a lot of cannibalism. Yeah. Well, to put it in perspective, this expedition started with 129 men. Good number of men. Mm. I would say that was a solid, you know, few karaoke teams. Good few pub quiz teams. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say you needed yeah. at least 12 people in a team, you know, really even out the knowledge. Mm. Mm-hmm. By the end of it, there, there, there's no one. So you really have to be whittling this down. Absolutely no one left at all. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, so up until recently, one of the main ideas of what killed the crew was lead poisoning. Yes, that's the theory I remember uh, reading mm. um, that, that, I, that I thought was, was the... Are you telling me there's more? I am. Okay. Now, obviously, there's only so many remains we can actually look at mm-hmm. because we only have so many bodies to check. Mm. Um, but the remains that we have found that are believed to belong to... Um, now, let me see if I can remember which ones. I think it's Irving. Yes. And um, good sir. These were the 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 mummies that were found. Is that correct? No, that's the that's the bodies who died of tuberculosis. Right. Sorry. Continue. Mm. But they were used as a kind of reference point during this. Because I had a book about mummies when I was a child, mm. and I remember like flipping the page open and seeing that picture of now. Which mummy is it? It's the one. It's got the. He's still got his eyes. You know. Yeah. A lot of the, they're very well preserved. It's. I just remember seeing that and. Oh, I loved it. Mm. It freaked me out, but I was also like, I approve this message. Oh, absolutely. I was going to say, it's just astonishing like how well those bodies were preserved. Mm. Well, it's anaerobic and incredibly cold. I guess. but they... Perfect body-preserving conditions. A non-deliberate mummy. Uh, like an, mm. a, 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 a what's it called? Like an environmental mummy, I think. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Like Tootsie or um, the Bog People. Uh, who? The bodies found in bogs. Oh no, no, I know the Bog People. Who, who's the first one? Oh, Tootsie. He's a ice mummy. I thought it was Otzi. I thought it was Tootsie. Tootsie was that film with Dustin Hoffman. Tootsie. <laughs> Tootsie. We got that. Okay. I'm gonna call him Tootsie. Tootsie, and he's like dabbing yeah. eternally in death. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, so... And a lot of the ice mummies that come out of Siberia, for example. Yes. All environmental. All environmental. Um, but the main thing to remember when considering lead poisoning as a theory is that Victorians, especially mid-Victorians, were consuming a lot of lead <laughs> yeah. already, just in their day-to-day lives. They chugged that shit. Yeah. Well, they didn't quite chug, chug that shit. I mean, it was out of ignorance. Yeah, I mean, they were drinking out of pewter cups, they were eating off pewter plates, yep. they were using lead as sweetener. Delicious. I mean, at least they weren't putting it on their faces anymore. Yeah, but... Which is something. I mean, people have... At the the museum I work at now, like, the, the, the air museum, like, half of the planes can't be open because they're full of radium paint. Mm. And that's from the early 20th century. Yeah. Which... I mean, how recently were we using asbestos? Oh, it's also full of asbestos, the place where I work. Yay! I'm, yeah, I, I for one can't wait to die of asbestos poisoning. <laughs> You've just got everything planned, huh? Yeah. I just... I, I... <laughs> Ah, choose your poison, literally. Mm-hmm. Asbestos, baby. Um, but the interesting thing um, that gave them the idea that actually it might not have been lead poisoning mm-hmm. that killed them um, was the fact that there wasn't like a large deposit all in one place. Right. To Which would specify that it has been ingested within a, a small window of time. Uh, yeah, because that impl- cause w- when you say lead poisoning, I, I assumed it was like gradual lead poisoning, but mm. so they were looking for like evidence that they'd maybe consumed a lot of lead at once, maybe deliberately. Yeah, because there was a thing with the food cans um, uh-huh. that was found that they weren't soldered properly. Right. Um, so not only were there like like dripping bits of lead Mm. there was also botulism in the food Uh. and then those water pipes i mentioned earlier were lead lined okay so yeah and when you have soft water that's recently been filtered it's more likely to pick up lead okay okay Mm. right hard water would be fine because these pipes you know they weren't that new they were being used already but the water that was going through them was London water, Ugh. which was hard water, and therefore didn't pick up much because it was already full of piss. Yeah, I'm going to say the taste would probably be improved if it was London water and mm. they just added lead to it. That would probably make it actually mm. worth drinking. But it, what they found instead in the remains during research across Canada in um, roughly 1980 is that instead of it being one big kind of deposit, it was evenly distributed throughout the bodies. That makes more sense to me. Mm. And it was the same kind of level of distribution in the Beachy Island bodies. Right, okay. As there was in the remains from Goodsir and Irving. Which would imply it was not the lead that killed them. Mm. It definitely would have made them make stupid decisions. Yeah, what kind of effects does lead poisoning have upon the body? And the, um, and the it mind? It can create hallucinations. It can create incredible fatigue. Mm. So ideal for kind of making you go, you know, crazy. Okay. It, there was also, as the expedition continued, a continuing... There would have been a continuing lack of fresh food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, um, they... Which would have led to scurvy. They couldn't got those, get those polar bears they thought they were going to get. Yeah. And the penguins, they couldn't get penguins because, well, they couldn't get the wrappers off. Because they're in the wrong place. Mm, I choose <laughs> to ignore that. Um, but there's an interesting bit that I found, which was that there's a, a collegiate, 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 yeah, it's good enough. a professor of the University of Michigan, Michigan, um, Michigan, yeah, who's a professor of uh, oral medicine, yeah. uh, called Russell Tackman, Talkman, 
Teichman, um, who believes that tuberculosis resulting in a disease called Addison's disease, uh, which is a insufficiency of adrenal or adrenal insufficiency. What's adrenal? Um, Adrenaline. Oh, right. Is that that just what? Okay. Okay. I knew that. I'm very smart. (laughs) Um, But he believes that's what was to blame for a lot of the... If not death, then making the bodies very, very prone to death. Lethargy, then. Mm. Okay. Um, so they, he believes that scurv- while scurvy and lead po- exposure helped the disease by weakening the bodies, his diagnosis isn't reliant on them. Right, so... So people with this disease have trouble regulating sodium in their bodies, they can become extremely dehydrated... And they can't maintain maintain weight even with food present. Okay, right. So even if there was food available, it wouldn't do anything. I guess that makes sense, but mm, which would explain why even if they, you know, even when they did resort to cannibalism, there were still no survivors found because they weren't able to hold on to this the nutrients essentially. Can you imagine that? Like you're pushed to the point of cannibalizing someone so you can eat mm. and live and then it doesn't work. God, that's absolutely horrible. Ugh, I'd be annoyed. Uh-huh. I would I would exercise my consumer rights. <laughs> I would maybe even ask to speak to the manager. Mm. Mm. Just the nearest Inuit manager. It just, you're just hallucinating Listen. at this point and talking to a penguin like, excuse <laughs> me, you're the butler, right? Are you, well, the- <laughs> are you the manager of Nunavut? Are you the- <laughs> I have some questions. I have some questions and the penguins, like, what noise the penguins make? Uh, <laughs> I don't know what noise like, penguins fuck, make. Like, what am I doing here? I'm meant to be in the Antarctic. Yeah, the penguin's confused because the penguin's also <laughs> looking for a manager to speak to because they're in the wrong place completely. <laughs> um, but there was a, there was accounts from Inuit witnesses that they saw emaciated white men with hard, dry and black mouths. That just sounds like every like goth band in the mid-2000s. I was going to say that sounds like going out on a Saturday night. But where are you going out? That's what the question. Essex. Ah, okay. I've never been out in Essex, uh, though I've always dreamed You're of doing it. You're not missing much. It's always been my goal. Um, no, I was thinking, like, remember when, like, the Rasmus were a thing? Oh my god, yeah. yes. With that one song that they had. Uh-huh. And I really liked it, and I, like, waited uh, on the radio so I could tape it off the radio. Oh, memories. Because I lived, like, a kind of quasi cyberpunk life in... The mid two thousands. Yes. Um, there is a little theory here though that's quite interesting, which comes from the author of Unraveling the Franklin Mystery. Mm. So he's using the testimony that he's read, that he's gone through, as opposed to just the evidence that's provided through what was found. Is there a reason was was the Inuit testimony discounted? Oh yeah, we're gonna get into that. Oh good, okay, okay. I was Oh, yeah. don't you worry. Because I was gonna say it sounds like these guys kind of had a handle on what was going on. Mm. Yeah. Well they used their eyes. <laughs> don't be ridiculous. I know. So the the commonly held standard belief mm-hmm. is that every, all of the crew were dead by 1848. Right. Uh, Crozier dies in 1848. No one leaves Starvation Cove. Oh, is... <laughs> um, which was the last place that remains were found. I assume that was named after the incident and they yes. didn't just pitch up there. The Starvation Cove, maybe our fortunes <laughs> will change here. No, it was named after. Shame. Um, and 30 bodies were found. Okay. However, the, belie- the story, if you go by Inuit testimony, is few died in 1848. Crozier died in 1849. 
Okay. Party was seen at Washington Bay in 1850. Um, Last survivors leave Starvation Cove in 1851, and less than 10 bodies were found. So, okay. So a big difference. Yeah, quite. But what's the truth? Well, we... I mean, do you believe the evidence only found by the Admiralty and their crews? Or do you believe what the native people saw and recounted? I do believe the testimony of the native people, uh, Mm. mostly because they'd have absolutely no reason to lie. Exactly. Whereas it's far neater to kind of, everything happens in one and we close the book there. Yeah, plus I'm, now I'm assuming um, that maybe if there was such a thing like cannibalism, um, the official Mm. reports might not want to engage with that because it's not a very pleasant Uh, a topic. Well, there was an interesting kind of dichotomy in regards to cannibalism. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, it was known about. It was, it happened so often in the 19th century that it became a kind of unspoken fact of shipwrecks. But it was still pretty taboo, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, you didn't talk about it, but it was understood that that might happen. Understood that we've all eaten a man or two. Was <laughs> Actually, is there a Monty Python sketch about this where they're, they're all like, there's no cannibalism in the Navy, and then it cuts to like a Navy guy gnawing on a leg or something? <laughs> that does sound I very forget- much like uh, yeah, Monty Python. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there is a Monty Python sketch about this. <laughs> yeah, in like the Flying Circus or something. I love Monty Python's Flying Circus. Oh, same. So fucking funny. Um, But yeah, th- leading on nicely, mm-hmm. I would like to now talk about survival cannibalism a little bit. Let's talk about survival cannibalism. So- So cannibalism or uh, anthropophagy, which is the official title, the Latin title, um, comes into two categories, usually. Uh, There's learned or customary cannibalism, which covers, you know, ritualistic Mm -hmm. and um, cannibalism for the sake of cannibalism, not really to survive. So your your, um, sort of uh, traditional tribal type cannibalism. Yeah, kind of at funerals and consuming of um, enemies. There is a Brazilian tribe called the the Wari, I believe they're called, who practice Mm. ritual cannibalism, who were basically... Yes, they do. ...encouraged not to by missionaries and Mm. told you should bury your dead. And they were very upset by this because Mm. it's because it was dishonorable to put a dead body in the in in the ground they were like this is this is you know a waste and this is unfair even though you know cannibalism has got many many documented downsides it was not seen in just not seen in the same way it was just complete no it was considered your kind of duty yeah it was honorable um and then you've also got your hannibal lecter type cannibalism which if you Mm. ask me should be in a different bracket because i mean yeah yeah, and there are... Aesthetic cannibalism. Is that what we're calling it? That's um... Um, what I'm going with. Okay, cool, let's just call it that. Um, but yeah, there are lots of nasty cases of that. Um, mm. Many of them recent. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Isn't that nice? The other, obviously, category is survival cannibalism. Yes. It appears to be innate in human beings, which is an interesting thing. But it's innate in a lot of species of animals as well. Yeah, I mean, it's very, very common among... I mean, I re- I I've had a series of pet gerbils, and I've never witnessed animal cannibalism. Bear with me, but I, according to every gerbil book I've ever read, you know, just to check, I was they will eat each other. No, they will. Uh, the the mother, uh, if her babies die, will cannibalize uh, the babies. Yes, yes, I have heard yes. That. Um, I don't mm-hmm. think they eat each other because you know some some species do do that. I think hamsters do that. Mm. I could be completely wrong. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's some species like the 
that uh, will cannibalize their young if they die, or you know. Um, yeah, it's it's not uncommon in. Yeah, but it's it's a uh, a thing that humans will naturally come to if they're in a group and they're starving. I mean, I've been in many groups where I've been starving and cannibalism has not come up, but... um... Weak. (laughs) You ever sit with a group of friends and you look around like, who would we eat first? Yeah. Who'd be the first to go? I mean, I usually get out of it because I'm like, unless you all have a slow cooker, (laughs) I'm I'm not going to be good. I don't think I'm going to be that good either. Like, There's a lot of fat on me. You want to put that on like a slow cook? <laughs> I don't have a lot of muscle mass. Uh, plus, I've got a lot of stretch marks, so I imagine that would spoil the meat. So. Yeah, you'd be quite tough. Sorry, guys. I'd be quite tough and stringy, and you don't want mm-hmm. that. Now. Um, it's often viewed as a last resort. Yes. Um, with one group, I didn't make a note of which or when, because I'm a noob. <laughs> um, but they managed to be adrift in a lifeboat for 116 days, eating everything but each other. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like, yeah. literally anything else they could eat, they did because... That idea was so abhorrent to them. It's the same on the Donna party, eating belts, mm. shoes... Um, well, you have Franklin eating lichen and boot leather. Delicious. Mm-hmm. Don't knock it till you've tried it. But while it is the kind of, quote-unquote, most easily forgiven of the types of cannibalism... Yes. Um, by civilised, and I say that with huge quote-unquote, air quotes... Quote-unquote, unquote, unquote. Um, Western society, it is still viewed, as I said, as absolutely abhorrent. Yes. Um, you only need to, like, Google survival cannibalism and look at the headlines to kind of understand that. Oh, but we're curious about it. Mm, we want to know, but we want to look at it through a <gasps> how horrible kind of a lens. Yeah, that's why Alive was was a hit. Yeah, absolutely. It's the voyeurism. Mm-hmm. Um, but Dickens' reaction to finding out that cannibalism might have occurred, or the suggestion that cannibalism might have occurred, yeah. is uh, very telling yeah. of the kind of Western perspective. Because um, he stated that the discoverer, not the discoverer, the expedition person who discovered this, which was John Ray in uh, 1854, um, had made this up, essentially. Um, He was absolutely condemned by Dickens, who said that civilised men um, would never resort to such savagery. Um... Um, And he believed it far more likely that the crew were murdered... By the Inuit, of course. Oh, really? <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, because they have a history of doing that, those Inuit. I just... Everyone has a breaking point, man, and it's easy to say... Mm. It's easy to say, I can't be... It's like saying, I can't be bought. Yeah, you can. Everyone... Yeah, you can. Everyone has a price. Well, there's a thing that's that they found. It's usually quite a short amount of time between realising you have no food... And you are starving and turning to survival cannibalism. The window is extremely short. I would say it's about four and a half minutes for me, yes. <laughs> just come downstairs, the fridge is empty, you're like, fuck. I just fly into a hypoglycemic rage. And... <laughs> Sorry, I blacked out for a second and now I'm covered in blood. Yeah, jeez, how did that happen? Um, but what I want to be absolutely clear about is the Franklin Expedition did resort to cannibalism. There is no way around that. Yeah. It was extremely evident, especially in the remains found at Starvation Cove. Oh, but they were civilised. Yeah, I mean, they definitely carved their meat off the bone. Yeah, we- <laughs> 
Yes, God damn they it. They didn't eat were, it like a chicken. They like. ate it properly. They they didn't. They, yeah. they had the correct type of wine with it. Exactly. Uh, they used the right cutlery. They used the knife and fork from the outside in. Yeah. It's all good. I think actually that would count as the entree, so they'd be using the innermost ones. Uh, but what was found on the the remains at, at Starvation Cove, there were knife marks on the bones. Mm-hmm. And also a lot of the bones had been snapped in half so that the bone marrow could be accessed. Yes, apparently that's delicious. Mm. So I've heard, but I'm a vegetarian, so I can't comment. I'm not a vegetarian, but I have never sucked a, a bone of its marrow. Well, try it and report back. I will. Um, we don't know, though, whether they resorted to the short straw method, where they ate the living, ah. or the uh, Donner Party method of eating the dead first. And then... Before killing. Before killing, yeah. Um. Mm. Um, at this point, though, I do want to mention the terror again, because I feel like the way the terror represented survival cannibalism was incredibly sensationalised. Mm-hmm. I mean, unsurprisingly, but it also created a lot of falsehoods about how humans resort to survival cannibalism. And how do humans resort to survival cannibalism in the terror, which I haven't seen, but I'm led to believe it's very sexy. It's very sexy. Mm. Um, in the terror, only evil and bad people resort to cannibalism. Okay, yeah, that's wrong straight off the bat. That's false. Yeah, Anyone and everyone can and will given the right circumstances. Four and a half minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, another falsehood is that bodies would be carved and sort of left out like a Christmas turkey. Nah, you want to get the... Well, you wanted to not be able to see it. Uh, yeah, well, they bury what's... And, and, and I guess they must have like um, a kind of a, a, a... They still must think this is a dead person, you know? Mm. They've got to get that kind of, you know, that that decency is hard to beat out of yourself even when you've just eaten someone. Mm. So Well, just the idea, it's the whole thing of, yes, you've had to resort to cannibalism but you don't want to be reminded that this is what you've had to do well yeah going back to the donna party again um Mm. there's a great book about that called the indifferent stars above which goes quite into uh like the psychologies of cannibalism um what they Mm. what they would do was remove the head uh hands and feet because then it's easier to look at them as meat and not people Mm -hmm. and also they would well like people do with meat in supermarkets there's no heads on them there's no yeah like bones visible if possible yeah no, it's it, it's all the you same. You don't want to be reminded. People get there's there's um a place in Edinburgh called I forget what it's called. I think it's called Oink. There's a couple of them, mm. and its thing is like it has kind of all day uh, pulled pork, and they always have a fresh yeah. pig carcass in the window. And I've heard pe- oh, I've heard yeah. people go, oh that's so gross, and I'm like. It's meat. You know what meat is. Like, yeah. You know, it's like, remember when we had the horse meat scandal a few years ago? Yeah. And I get the scandal being, oh, meat could be unregulated. That's gross. But people were like, I was eating horse. And I'm like, why is that so different from eating cow? You know? Yeah. It's like, it's not. It's because they've decided that horses are like good animals. Right. Whereas cows are. Mm. Actually, no, if you've ever looked a cow in the eyes, you know there's something evil going on there. (laughs) But um, yeah, no, it's, it is, it's, it's, we like to isolate ourselves, I think from how ice olate we just hit our first our first ice pun hey yeah we like to forget how the stuff in our life is brought to us Mm, absolutely Uh, meat being oh god see i've got this whole i'm again i'm not a vegetarian so maybe i'm being a hypocrite here but like i've got this whole kind of diatribe about uh most people are very made very uncomfortable by the slaughter process yeah and won't think about it absolutely yeah and i think they usually show that off by being like oh halal it's so disgusting i'm like no it's not your meat gets like smacked over the head with a sledgehammer yeah your meat gets your meat gets stun gunned and hell doesn't. That's yeah. that, that's the only difference, you know. That's that's it. It's uh, I don't know. 
Uh, there's a gr- yeah. great stuff written about slaughterhouses by um, Temple Grandin. Mm. Uh, if you ever check out her stuff, because uh, she basically redesigned how they were made. Ah, Pretty interesting. I'll have a look at have that. Have a look at that. But yes, that's completely different from yeah. cannibalism. But I, I, just, <laughs> I find the relationship people have with meat pretty fascinating, yeah. I must say. And cannibalism oh, does play a part of that. Building from the earlier one, yeah. another idea that good people would rather starve. Yes, which is, of course, not true at all. Yeah, um, but also the final one. This one isn't completely false, but it's also not completely true. Mm. It's sort of in the middle. Okay. And that's the idea that decorum and manners are completely forgotten the moment that cannibalism happens. Again, it's kind of cognitive dissonance, but I find that hard to believe, mm. especially especially after reading something like The Indiv- different stars above when people mm. would, would would like what they did in in that case was this wouldn't apply to this situation as much because mm. this was a series of families but they basically moved around and made sure that no one was eating a family member yeah because they even though they were cooking and eating human meat they were like that's too far we can't do that yeah that's too much that's civilization right there you know mm. but to build on this um there's a a really excellently done scene where you have the quote-unquote evil crew members Mm. sitting around eating this meat with their fingers and then one who's here out of desperation eating it off a plate with a knife and fork. Right, so the idea being he's separating, he's he's being civilised. Yeah. Right. But the thing is, both are true, Yeah. but not at the same time. Yes. So there's a kind of... um, the idea of sitting there eating with a knife and fork is the idea of retaining your humanity and a vague sense of normalcy to kind of make your brain okay with what you're doing. But eventually you will devolve into all I can do is eat, this is meat, I have to consume it, otherwise I will die. I mean, it is pretty farcical eating it with a <laughs> knife and fork, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I spoke to alex my friend who's one of the hosts of casting lots about this Uh and she said that it completely mashes together the timeline of survival cannibalism right which is this is the last resort into bodies of flesh we will prepare like any other meat into all i can do is eat and that is a great thing to put in your linkedin profile uh bodies of flesh just like any other meat uh (laughs) four years cumulative experience in the service industry yeah Perfect. How to get hired. I'll get hired in no time. I'm thinking of writing a book. (laughs) But there's a great quote from John Ray, who was the one who discovered that cannibalism had taken place, um, which was, uh, From the mutilated state of many of the bodies, it is evident that our wretched countrymen had been driven to the last dread alternative, um, which, in other words, is cannibalism, Mm -hmm. um, as a means to survive. Yes. And this was not just from evidence found at Starvation Cove, it was also based on Inuit testimony, which, of course, was... Promptly ignored. Yeah, they don't know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Look at those guys with the... I, I don't actually know any stereotypes about Inuits, so... Maybe <laughs> may, may, uh, maybe that's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, you can go with... You can always go with the basic one, which is they're not British, therefore they're savages. I mean, that is a pretty great stereotype, really, isn't it? <laughs> it's a very common one. It's a good thing we've grown out of that, though. You know, I'm really grateful. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad that we don't do that anymore. Yeah, thank God. We live in enlightened times. Um, so I'd like to talk, just as we round things out, um, about the rescue expeditions okay. that went to find the ships mm-hmm. and the crew. Um, much like with the expedition, how it didn't fail for lack for want of trying... Um, the rescues didn't fail for want of trying. They tried so hard and nothing... I mean, remains were found, but answers were never truly found. 
Sometimes that's all you can get. Mm. Again, it's 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 like Everest. They try, mm. but yeah. due to, I mean, very averse climate. Mm. I should imagine. Plus, that's the problem with trying to rescue people who are in sort of uncharted territory. Uh, yeah. If it gets fucked up, then they're yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's good the moon landing went well because if it hadn't, then mm. oh boy. Well, it's the thing of rescue. If you die in a dangerous place, retrieving your body will then be a dangerous thing yes yes exactly yeah but so the first rescue expedition as i mentioned uh, earlier was in 1847 that was an overland one Mm -hmm. um then the admiralty decided to send one out in 1848 um they sent the hms herald and the hms plover uh, who were later joined by the Enterprise and the Investigator. The Enterprise, you say? I do. <laughs> um, but that the uh, Enterprise was actually captained by James Clark Ross, who we met earlier. Oh, I love him. Wait, 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 wait. Mm. How gay is he, according to AO3? <laughs> I don't know if he's mentioned a lot, because he he's not super, like, uh, referenced in the terror. He's not featured in the top ten pairings, so Ugh. it's a no from me. Boo. Anyway, sorry, I'm sure he's historically yeah. significant. <laughs> um, so in 1850, again, there's another... The Enterprise and Investigator are sent out again. Um, and then in 1850, um, later on in 1850, the HMS Resolute and the HMS Assistance are sent out mm-hmm. with um, steamboats called the Intrepid and the Pioneer to help them if they get stuck. Okay. Um, they also do one of the first kind of interesting um, rescue techniques, which is they send out balloons with messages written on silk. That's quite nice. Yeah, to kind of... So if they were found by members of the Franklin Expedition, they would know that help was there and where to go to be found, essentially. I mean, it sounds like... Like a lost child point in a shopping mall. It sounds like an Etsy wedding thing. <laughs> Try the meat. So, then, in 1850, again, maybe, it wasn't really clear, um, we get the first expedition sent out properly by Lady Franklin. Yeah, okay, so she was the one who was like, we're gonna try and get stuff done. Yeah. Mm. Um, So she managed to fund this expedition by essentially guilt-tripping the Admiralty for not doing something earlier when she said something had gone wrong. I love it when passive aggressiveness like causes stuff to get done. Mm-hmm. Um, so she sent out the Lady Franklin and the Sophia. Um, then you get John Ross, uh, who was very old at this point, but he knew Franklin, he was a friend of Franklin, he sent out. He went out on the HMS Felix. Okay. Then in eighteen fifty three, you get the famous John Ray uh, expedition. Mm-hmm. Um, he went overland, and then in eighteen fifty seven, you get McClintock, another famous expedition, uh, on the HMS Fox. I've actually heard of this one. Ah. So the reason those last two are very important, obviously, John Ray discovers that cannibalism occurred at Starvation Cove. Um, but the McClintock expedition, expedition, fucking hell, (laughs) um, he met up with a group of Inuit near the magnetic North Pole Mm -hmm. who had items from the expedition. Yes. Um, they had knives and forks that they had fashioned into their own tools. And it was the magnetic North Pole, so you had to be careful with, with metals. Mm, Exactly. Mm. Um, he also later found a snow village where the Inuit there had items also from the expedition. Um, he brought spoons and forks engraved with initials and crests from Franklin and Crozier, as well as uh, one of the lieutenants called Fairholm, mm-hmm. and the assistant surgeon on the 
terror, uh, which was Dr. McDonald, who I believe, if I've got the right one, you can actually see his medical case that they found at the National Maritime Museum. Oh, okay. I must have seen it at some point then. Um, they actually have a really good polar expedition gallery now. Yeah, I, re- I remember seeing... It must have been the polar expedition gallery. I, re- I remember seeing mm. something to do with it when I was there that wasn't like a paid, yeah. a paid exhibit. Mm. Um, another Inuit account says that they saw a ship and found one dead man aboard. Uh, most materials had been scavenged and the mas- masts were gone. Um, a woman reported seeing many white men had fallen down and died walking to the Great River. Um, some were buried, some not. It's got to be hard to bury someone in that climate. Mm. I, do, would, would... I mean, that speaks of the kind of perseverance of the crew, I get... if nothing else. Because I've heard about it happening in sort of very cold, and they kind of just put the body down and mm. put a cairn over it. Mm. Well, if you remember back to our episode on body snatching... I'm remembering. Mort houses were used when the ground was too hard. Very interesting. Mm. And... <laughs> I imagine a mortarhouse was a really fun place to be, you know? <laughs> Just a fun place to hang out, you, you know? know. You, I mean, you, On a day like today. You've had a difficult day. You want to kick back uh, with the boys, who again are the cold ones. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I don't know where I was going with this, but... <laughs> no, I think we need to nip that. Okay, so the final kind of... Ar- well, not archaeological. It's not archaeological. Um, find... That I want to. Well, mention. it is kind. Of, actually, no, it is archaeological. That's it is true. archaeological. Yeah. That's part of archaeology. Mm. I, I've, I've technically been to archaeology school. Nice. You can laugh if you want. I might be, so I ain't gonna laugh. Oh, okay, okay, um, okay. But in 1869, um, skeletal remains were discovered on King William Island. Um, you found one body in a steward's uniform uh, who was in possession of what is now known as the Pegler Papers. Mm. Um, which are excellent. I've seen them in person. If you are in London or can get to London and can go to the National Maritime Museum, those notes are actually uh, being held in the Caird Library. So you can actually, if you get a library pass, can get them out and look at them, which is extremely exciting. Those are the papers that confirm that the Queen's not paying any taxes, right? No. Different papers? (laughs) (laughs) I see what you did there. You see what I did there, thank you. Um, the other two, they found two more near Great Fish River, um, facing back towards the ships. Because mm. there is always the possibility that they decided to return to the ships in case the pack ice had had melted. Right. Um, but it wasn't until 2014 um, when the, uh, the Erebus was found. Um, which is very exciting. That but is what's exciting. more exciting is it was exactly where I think it's this one and not the terror, exactly where an Inuit testimony said it was. Wonderful. Mm. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Um, the terror was then found in 2016. Mm-hmm. And what they found aboard gave them, uh, was able to give them more of an idea of what day to day life would have been like. Was everything all laid out and. As if yeah, it had just much. been... Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, it was because they didn't so much kind of have a traumatic wreck and then sink, like, say, the Titanic. They just sort of sank, I... for want of a better term. Like, the ice made holes in the hull, it filled with water and went straight down. Okay, that's pretty interesting. So they're both lying, when you look at the pictures, they're both lying kind of straight up, like they would have been on the surface. Right. Okay, mm. I'm looking up. So a lot now. of things were kind of where they were. 
that's pretty good. I would have thought the water had moved them. Mm. But no. Um, but yeah, that kind of brings us to the end of my little dive into Franklin. Oh, ah, that's a little water pun for you, though. I uh, hope <laughs> you enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, I hope y'all enjoyed this. Um, it was a little bit nerve-wracking kind of leading the episode, but I enjoyed it. Oh, you you did great. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, don't know what the next episode will be about yet, but it will be Katrina leading it again. Yep, I've got some ideas. It's going to be something Yay. pretty sexy. Excellent. We love sexy here. I'm using the term sexy generally, of course, but I'm sure it could actually be sexy. Mm, I'm not going to yuck anyone's yum. Yuck? What? I have never heard that expression and I love it. You may have it as a gift. It's completely insufferable. It's great. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I've been bouncing some ideas around. The idea I have is quite related to the, a lot of the research I've been doing recently, mm. uh, which is being done on a kind of a professional basis. So uh, I have no reason for it not to be good. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And if it is not good, then you have every right to personally cast me out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but to find out what it is... Yeah. You'll have to join us in the next episode. You'll have to join us in the next episode. <laughs> Good night.